Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at captive insurance, and I'm joined by Charles Spitzer from the Captive Insurance Group. Charles, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Be happy to. My background is that from an educational viewpoint, I have a degree in accounting. I'm a CPA, and I practiced accountancy for many years as a, a tax guy, if you will. And uh, a number of years ago, after building a CPA firm from scratch and growing it, I sold that CPA firm and then became involved with a group of financial service businesses in which I was a, a partner. And we had, as part of our group, we had a, an investment advisory firm, and we had investment advisors who were coming to us wanting to manage money in captive insurance arrangements. And as a CPA, I knew something about it. Long story made short, became more and more interested in that and made a decision about eight years ago to sell my interest off in that financial services business and concentrate solely on captive insurance arrangements. Uh, so that's kind of my journey. Family-wise, I mean, I've been married for almost 45 years, and we have five children. We have 15 grandchildren, so we're very much a family-oriented kind of an organization. I have several of my, my sons that work for our firm uh, you know, and one's an attorney. I have a couple that came out of big tax consulting firms. So that's our background. But as an overlay to that, in addition, one of the things that I was involved in both as a CPA and as a partner in this financial services business was commercial insurance agencies. As a CPA, I'd done a lot of work for them. And then we owned a partial interest in some financial, in the financial services business and some commercial and insurance organization. So had a good background in insurance and that together with my tax background played well into the formation of this of this company that we have today, Captive Insurance Group. And it's the only thing that our firm does is first to determine if it makes sense for a business owner to consider a captive insurance arrangement. And then to walk them through the process and, and if it does make sense, then to actually implement and handle all the regulatory and tax affairs of these insurance companies. So that's, that's who I am. Fantastic. I love the family business uh, and the family, yeah, the family side to the business. What are some of the things that, that makes that work? Because uh, there's a lot of very successful family businesses, and then there's some families that uh, struggle a little bit with that end of it. What, what are some of the things that have worked for you guys? Well, what has worked very well is the fact that we have some some very specialized expertise among the group of us that are in the family. Uh, we kind of, you know, as, as we brought family members on, we defined exactly what their role is and, and kind of, you know, hey, here is what your job is, and we keep everyone accountable. I think that accountability is very important and not only in a family business, but in any business, but perhaps even more so 
uh, kind of a, hey, let's return and report regularly on what's going on in your lane, if you will. And I think that has led to good success. That and just open dialogue about where we are, what's going on, you know, what are the what are the challenges that we have to overcome and how can we do that? And I think that has been kind of very key is is the accountability at all levels, including my level, to them. The 1% grow their business and investments every year, regardless of the economy and marketplace, and pay very little or no taxes legally. Besides having the right mindset, elite strategies and tactics, and the council of elite wealth advisors, coaches, and mentors, they have access to opportunities that the rest of the population do not. If you're an accredited investor, we have a network that provides Cashflow Ninja listeners access to exclusive business and investment opportunities. To join our investors network, please apply at CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. Great, great. Now you've mentioned captive insurance. And that's what you guys specialize in. And we've got listeners all over the world and uh, in different places on their journey, if you will. Some folks are starting out. Some folks are growing their portfolios and their businesses. And some folks are legitimate cash flow ninjas. So we've got folks from all over the place. For people that are not familiar with captive insurance and captive insurance strategies, uh, do you mind sharing a little bit more about them? Be very happy to. So, a captive insurance company is just a small insurance company. So, let's let's take as an example perhaps a business owner that has a manufacturing company. And in our in our captive insurance arrangements, we want business owners to be doing, you know, at least ten million dollars in gross revenues, or unless they are a service business, like a medical professional or a law firm or a dental firm or something like that. And then they need to be doing at least $4 million worth of business. And part of the reason for that is that they need to be of a certain size for the risk that they have in their business to be sufficient to be priced at a level where the economics make sense to create a captive insurance company. So for us, those parameters that I just mentioned kind of makes sense because this is really, it is, this is a real live licensed insurance company that is insuring property and casualty risks that these business owners have. And we recognize the fact that they have, they already are buying likely commercial insurance coverage for various things. But this is another tool. It's another risk mitigation tool. It's another risk management tool for them to be able to perhaps supplement how they are currently insured on the commercial insurance side and create additional limits for areas that they may need some more limit on and uh, in some cases insure things for which they cannot go to the commercial insurance market and obtain insurance coverage for. So I'll give you just a brief idea of what, first of all, we have uh, more than 40 lines of coverage that we can put into a captive insurance arrangement. But not all 40 of those are applicable for every client, but it could be things as simple as the risk of the loss of a key person that they might have in their business. They lose a key person, they have a loss of revenue, they may 
incur cost associated with replacing that person. You know, you can't go to the commercial insurance market and insure for that risk. And, and it can be things like business litigation, uh, the risk of an administrative action. So let's say that you have a physician practice that has 10 doctors in it. And one of those doctors gets themselves in trouble with the medical board and perhaps the practice gets fined. Perhaps that physician can't practice for a period of time. There can be costs and loss of income uh, as a result of that. Another could be something like business interruption. So often a commercial business will buy business interruption coverage, but business interruption coverage can have many, many exclusions in it. So we would put a business interruption policy in a form called a difference in conditions policy, which means that it wraps around their commercial policy, fills in where there are exclusions, uh, picks up deductibles, and actually we can pick up any commercial deductible that a client might have on their commercial side. We can pick that deductible up and have it be paid over by the captive insurance arrangement. Another couple of, of things are like data breach and data privacy, the cyber kinds of risks that are out there. Uh, there are many limits on the commercial insurance coverage for cyber risk that we do not have to have in a commercial, in a uh, captive insurance arrangement. And data breach is more and more prevalent today and is very costly when it happens. So that can be a valuable line of coverage. Reputational risk. You know, people can say bad things about others out on the Internet that can damage their business. And some of that can be just completely made up kinds of things. Or sometimes there are things bad that do happen. And so and, and their reputation gets damaged. And, you know, they may have to hire a, uh, a public relations firm to have ma help manage through that. So that's just a small sampling of what some of the kinds of things are that we look that we look for, you know, contractors, for example, uh, that employ subcontractors to do work for them. Well, they have a lot of risks pertaining to those subcontractors, and we can insure those kinds of risks over in a captive in insurance arrangement. So that's the kinds of things that we're looking for in terms of underwriting the risks that an operating business may have. And we go through a process of doing that. And if we have someone who's interested in learning more about it, we're going to give them an education on it uh, before they ever spend a penny on what we do, because we will educate them in the same way that we're talking here right now about what it's all about and put together a picture for them as to what it looks like in their case. Because the essence of what we're trying to accomplish here is to make sure that there are really risks that make sense to be insured over in a captive insurance company, which is an insurance company that would be owned in the same way, usually in the same way that the operating business is owned. But it's a completely different corporation. It is a complete, it is an insurance company standalone from the operating business. And it's not an insur these are not insurance companies where these can be formed and operate in the same way that a Chartist or an Allstate operates. These are specific to the risks that are in that operating business that is owned by the same people that are going to own the captive. 
So in other words, you can't go out and, and wholesale try to sell your your insurance coverage to just any and everyone. It's specific to your business operation, but you own the insurance company. And so therefore, your your the formation of this insurance company is designed so that premiums are being paid by your operating business to your insurance company. So we do a lot of work on the front end to make sure this actually makes sense because we're trying to make sure that this insurance company will qualify under an internal revenue code section that does give it some economic advantages because of this, uh, of this code section. The code section that we are working to qualify it under is code section 831B. And no need to get way off in the weeds today about section 831B except to say that if we are satisfied that the arrangement can truly operate like a real insurance company, then there are tax benefits associated with the formation of this insurance company. Uh, Section 831B allows an insurance company, when it's properly qualified, to receive premium annually of up to $2.3 million, on which the insurance company does not pay any current income tax. Now, I'll say that again, and I'll paint the visual of it. So you have an operating company that's going to buy insurance coverage from their own insurance company. The operating business is going to pay that premium and is going to take a tax deduction for it. But because of this election under Section 831B for the insurance company, the insurance company can receive premium annually of up to $2.3 million on which it pays no current income tax. Now, that's not the final chapter in the book. That would be a too-good-to-be-true kind of a story, but stay with me here. Operating business buys the insurance coverage from this captive insurance company. The insurance company doesn't pay any current tax on it on an amount up to $2.3 million annually. And let me also say, it takes a really big operation to get anywhere near $2.3 million in premium. And the determination of that premium and a very, very critical and key aspect of the formation of these insurance companies is the is the use of an independent actuarial firm to determine what the correct premium should be. We don't determine what the premiums are as the manager of the insurance company. Uh, the client doesn't determine how much they want to pay in premium. That's not the way this works. Uh, yes, there are some tax advantages to this whole arrangement, but the determination of premium has to be done completely independently of us including the, the operating company owners and the captive insurance company owners. So, uh, so we do use an independent actuary for the determination of these premiums. So now back to, so what is the, what is the splash? What's the next chapter in the book here? The insurance company is not going to pay tax on the premium uh, currently. So when does it pay tax? Tax does get paid whenever there's a distribution of money out of the insurance company. So, where the operating business, when it takes the tax deduction, usually that's going to be worth about 37% for a U.S. taxpayer. Whenever there's a distribution of money to the same people that own the operating business out of the insurance company, that distribution is going to get taxed as a qualified dividend. Uh, the reason it's a qualified dividend is this insurance company that we form 
is a U.S. C corporation, and it makes this election under 831B that gives it this specialized tax treatment. Now, I will tell you that that insurance company is a U.S. C corporation, and to the extent that it has investment income, it pays tax on its investment income as you go. But on the premium that it receives, that is not taxed until it's distributed out. So let's say that someone puts a captive arrangement in place. Uh, they pay their premium from their operating business over to their insurance company. Uh, we go down the road a couple of years and they decide they want to take a dividend out. They can certainly do that. Uh, they can't do it in the first year because money's in there as premium in the first year, so it has to become earned, and there can be claims that have to be paid, et cetera. So, but when they can and do decide to take money out, it's, it's going to get taxed as a dividend, and because it's a dividend coming from a USC corporation, it's going to get taxed as a qualified dividend, which currently is at a 20% rate plus there's still a 3.8% surtax on investment income that's still in place in 2020, so at a 23.8% rate. So the arbitrage between this rate at which they're getting the benefit of the deduction and the rate at which they are going to get taxed on the money when it comes out is what drives, that arbitrage is what drives the economic benefit um, of a captive insurance arrangement. And then you overlay that fact with the idea that you're enhancing your risk management program. Uh, your risk mitigation tools are much more in place with a captive insurance program because we go through an underwriting process to determine what are these risks? Where are the holes that you have in your commercial policy? Where are the exclusions that need to be filled? Where are there the gaps where you can't, you have a risk, but that you can't even go to a commercial insurance market and insure for it. And, you know, one of the questions in the underwriting process <clears throat> that we will always ask our prospective clients is, what are the things that you worry about that you know you have as a risk and that you know you can't get insured for? All of that discussion is, is all part and parcel to the proper underwriting and the proper setting up, if you will, of these captive insurance companies. Uh, at least in our program. The IRS can be very critical if they are not done properly. There are arrangements out there that the IRS deems to be abusive arrangements. They will punish you if you uh, enter into an abusive uh, captive insurance arrangement. And frankly, they should. These need to be done properly. You know, the, the first business purpose for a captive insurance company has to be risk management and risk mitigation. The fact that someone doesn't want to pay so much income tax, the IRS does not recognize as a valid business purpose. So, and they shouldn't. These need to be done first because they are a valuable tool for risk mitigation. And the fact that they have a, an economic benefit that is afforded by the Internal Revenue Code is just an, an, an added, uh, uh, added return, if you will.
My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. So I've kind of already talked to you about who qualifies as a captive owner? You know, there are things for a client to consider before they enter into one of these arrangements. Uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we go through, early on, we go through a process of really making sure this makes sense for a client. So if anyone that's listening to this podcast decided that they would like to really see what this means for them, we'll walk them through a very detailed discussion about, you know, what is a captive why does it work? How does it work? And we will gather some information from them about what their companies and, you know, their in all of their corporate structure looks like. And often there are multiple companies in a, in, in a corporate organizational structure, all of which can be part of the insurance program that's put in by one captive insurance company. And we will come back to them after gathering both information on where they, what they look like from a financial viewpoint, as well as how they are currently insured from their commercial insurance coverage. And we'll come back and show them exactly what it looks like for them. Here's where we think your risks are. Here's where we, what we believe this looks like uh, in terms of the a pro forma presentation to them. And, uh, and then if they like all, and we do all of that work without any charge to the client. We, from the beginning, have always believed that we want the client to really understand what this is all about before they ever, ever spend a dime. Then if they want to go to the next step, then they, we do engage the independent actuarial firm. They do incur a cost for that, uh, which we will show them all of that on the front end. It's completely clear on the front end what it looks like. And there are ongoing costs to maintain the insurance company. Our job at Captive Insurance Group is, as I mentioned earlier, to first determine whether or not this makes any sense for them to consider. And then if it does and it's implemented for them, then we do all of the regulatory and tax management. We provide all of that for the client uh, annually. And we do that for a fee that we show them on the front end. And, uh, we don't, we don't manage the money that's inside of the insurance company. We don't control the money. It's the client's money. It's their, it's their insurance company's money. So we like to interact with their, their CPAs, their attorneys, their financial advisors uh, on the front end so that everyone on their team, if you will, understands exactly what we're doing. We can answer all questions before the client ever implements an insurance company. But there has to be real insurance risks. You know, our firm is based in, in Texas, and, you know, there were, for many years, people here were getting huge royalty checks for 
their interest in oil wells and gas wells. And I always like to joke that their greatest risk was to trip on the way to the mailbox to get their check out. Uh, and that's not an insurance risk that we can insure in a captive insurance company. So there are some, there are some very specific requirements in terms of, and we are very careful to make sure there are real insurance risks and that the business purpose is risk mitigation and risk management. And these insurance companies do have to be disclosed to the Internal Revenue Service. Now, we provide all those disclosures, but something that we train our clients about on the front end, they do have to be disclosed. And uh, But they can be a very, very powerful risk mitigation tool, risk management tool, and they do have some very interesting economic benefits because of the Internal Revenue Code section in which they are arranged. Now, having said all that, the 831B captive is the one we most often talk to small and mid-sized business owners about. We do have the ability to create and manage larger captive insurance companies that don't have anything to do with Code Section 831B. Uh, that takes a, a really big organization to to need that kind of an arrangement. But this is what an 831B captive insurance company is about. In our firm, we don't manage any insurance companies offshore. Uh, the only thing we do is to manage them that are located in the United States. MC Lobsher, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of a picture of what a captive insurance arrangement is, is about. So, Quincy, uh, are, are there things that I missed that you might like for me to, to cover? No, that, that's great. And what I like about this is this is a great strategy, foundational stuff that um, touches on risk management and also uh, the tax strategy. Uh, as part of a great overall tax strategy, um, but just to just to recap for our listeners too. So essentially, it's for business owners with revenues, gross revenues over ten million dollars or more. Uh, so it needs to be a certain size company with certain risks that they're trying to manage that they can then set up an insurance company separate from their business, have uh, premiums paid from their current business to that insurance company, and th- there's obviously. Um, a tax benefits for doing that. And then, as you mentioned, getting the money, actually, the money is taxed when there's a distribution from the captive insurance company eventually, but their arbitrage is very, very favorable. One of the questions that I did have is the money that's paid um, in premiums from the operating business into this insurance uh, this captive insurance company, um, is there any way, could you invest that as an, a captive insurance company somewhere? What what are you allowed to do with that? Um, or what are you doing with the money that's, that's in that insurance company? Because obviously you now have an insurance company um, that I, I'm, I'm assuming there's a float, just like a general insurance company manages a float. Maybe you can talk to that a little bit. Absolutely. That, that is a very good question. So the money that resides in the insurance company can be invested. It, uh, 
it can be invested in accordance with an investment policy statement that we file as a part of the plan of operations when we set these insurance companies up. And I would, I would characterize the investment policy statement as a conservative allocation model. It's an insurance company being over, watched over by regulators. They're not going to let you do anything crazy with the money that's in the insurance company. But yes, it can be and should be invested uh, in accordance with an investment policy statement. You know, I would say probably uh, half of our clients put their money in CDs, which, you know, which is certainly conservative enough to satisfy the dictates of the investment policy statement. Uh, but the rest of them, you know, have it invested in stocks and bonds, and, you know, treasuries and that sort of thing that are all defined within the investment policy statement. And we're happy to share that with uh, anyone that wants to see it on the very front end so they can see what that looks like. But again, our firm, while we while we set the investment policy statement up as part of the establishment of the insurance company, we have no horse in the race in terms of how that money is managed or by whom that money is managed. But it does need to be managed in accordance with the investment policy statement. Uh, would real estate be something that they would be able to invest the money within the captive insurance company as well? Usually not. <clears throat> most, okay. most departments of insurance, because of the illiquidity of real estate, they don't like real estate as being to be owned in the insurance company. And I am a CPA, but what I'm about to say should not be construed as me giving tax advice in any way. But if you think about it, the insurance company is a C corporation for tax. Typically, people invest in real estate because they are expecting some sort of significant appreciation in the value of that real estate. So if you play that out, the, real, the insurance company invests in real estate, it gets sold subsequently at a, at a profit. That profit is going to be taxable to the insurance company as a C corporation going to get paid tax, tax going to get paid 21% on it. And then those profits are still in the C corporation. So to get them out of the C corporation, you then have to dividend them out to the owners. So then you're going to pick up the dividend tax as well. So it's more tax efficient if you to not have a significant, significant appreciating asset sitting inside of that C corporation. But again, People need to talk to their own tax advisors about that. But as a general premise, it seems to me to be not quite as tax efficient as it could be in that situation. Um, and the departments of insurance are, are going to frown upon it. Gotcha. The other question that I have with this is next step for folks to uh, that might qualify or that would think that this is a strategy that they definitely want to look at for, for their business. Uh, what, what are some of the, the, the things that they can do um, before they uh, get in touch with you guys? Well, what they could do is uh, they could go to our website, which is uh, captiveinsuranceusa.com. And they also could just call me. Uh, they can reach me at 
my direct my cell phone is the easiest way to to reach me and happy to give that number which is 817-793-6522 or they could email me at c spitzer c s p i t z e r at captiveinsuranceusa.com you know I'm happy and often do just feel general questions. You know, hey, don't know if this makes any sense for me to consider, uh, but we're happy to to talk them through that on the phone. And, and I will tell you, we will be very straightforward with them. You know, often it doesn't make sense for someone to consider it for a host of different reasons. And But happy just to answer any kind of general questions um, that they have, I think, that's really the best thing to do is just ask and we will we will tell you very plainly whether or not it makes sense and if it does we'll give you a uh, an analysis of it before you've ever spent any money on it at all life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. One habit I've observed from very wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and learning? You know, I try to stay very much abreast on the Internal Revenue Code. Um, I, I, I like the, uh, you know, some people are just weird like that, I guess. So stay abreast of the Internal Revenue Code. Um, that's mostly what I do. You know, as a CPA, I have to continue to maintain my license. So I keep myself immersed over in that sort of thing. We are also involved with, you know, captive insurance associations. So we keep our, ourselves very, our ear to the ground with respect to the specific business that we're in. Um, I've often been a fan of, of a Harvard business professor who just actually just passed away by the name of Clayton Christensen. He, he uh, wrote extensively and studied about disruptive, you know, disruptive things that go on in marketplaces. And I think in some ways, captive insurance has been disruptive. It's been misunderstood. And so I, I read Dr. Christensen's uh publications frequently unfortunately we just lost him he was a wonderful guy yeah i just uh just saw that too um now a core message in our show is to leave our families communities and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset values and principles to future generations not just money so if you cannot uh, pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success what would they be There is no substitute for integrity. Absolute integrity, uh, even even if it's not, even if it hurts, you should always be. Uh, you should always have integrity. I think we also have to give back. Give back doesn't necessarily mean with money. 
giving back can be simple things like just helping people that you know need some help. And that help may be, you know, it's, as I said, it may, it may be, it may be monetary, but it may be emotional help. Um, and I think that leaving a legacy of, of truthfulness and, and a legacy of, um, anyone can, anyone can leave a legacy of, well, not anyone, but people can leave a legacy of money, but leaving a legacy of, of, of your good name, I think is to me at this point in my life is more important than, than the money aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, if, can you please share again where folks can uh, reach out to you guys and get in touch if they're interested to learn more about captive insurance companies and about sure. setting up captive insurance companies? Happy to. First, our website is www.captiveinsuranceusa.com. And there is a form on there that you can fill out that will come to us if you want us to contact you. They can feel free to call me on directly on my cell phone at any time, area code 817-793-6522, or my, my email address is cspitzer, C-S-P-I-T-Z-E-R, at captiveinsuranceusa.com, and we will promptly uh, be back in touch and happy to answer any kind of questions people have with respect to captive insurance arrangements. Fantastic, Charles. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing just so much value for my listeners. I am very pleased to do it. Thank you for having me. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.